You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. Amen. Well, this morning I want to just share with you, um, you know, a, a word that really, you know, refers to to being prepared. Can you say the word prepared? Uh, one of my favorite my, um, basketball players, well, actually my favorite basketball player of all time, because he is the greatest of all time, is uh, Michael Jordan, right, James? I know that um, James there argues with me that he is not, but uh, I have the microphone, and so right now he is. Amen. <laughs> um, he said these, and, and I really do agree with him in this, and he says, you know, Private practice uh, is something along, you know, public performance is determined by your private practice. It's what you do in private that ultimately determines and shapes your future and determines what you do out there. One of the things that one of my old coaches used to say to us was practice, practice, just keep practicing because the one thing you don't want to do when you're on the court is you don't want to be thinking about how you run and how you shoot the ball, you should be doing everything instinctively and nothing happens without preparation. In fact, I would even go so far to say that demonstration happens because of your preparation. The whole idea of faithfulness, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is not about just doing the right thing. It's about doing the right thing when no one is looking. It's easy to perform or to look like you're doing the right thing when there's people watching you. Uh, but when there's no one looking and you're continually doing that which is called, uh, what you are called to do by God, that is what faithfulness is. It's doing the small things and, and, and not getting credit for the things that you are doing that, you know, so easy to become like Elijah and feel like you're the only one doing this supposedly called by call of God in your life. And, and, and faithfulness, in fact, is the attitude of not only having faith, but continuing to have the integrity to do what you've, called, you've been called to do. I really do believe that faithfulness is greatly connected to preparation. What I've discovered over the years, and even probably I be, fell victim to this as a young man, and, and, and I had such a desire for souls and and wanted to do great things for God. But oftentimes, you know, doing great things for God was deeply connected to our sense of self-significance, our sense of notoriety, our sense of probably doing something that people would see, something that is visible. I remember as a young man, that was a very, very strong agenda in my life. I wanted to be, you know, I remember going around and saying, I'm going to evangelize the whole world and I'm, I'm going to be the next Reinhard Bonnke. That was what I said to myself, you know, pretty cool. Hey, dream big, right? Nothing wrong with that. But what I discovered was that those guys that became like Reinhard Bonnke never truly set out to be like Reinhard Bonnke because Reinhard Bonnke didn't exist until he existed, right? Mind you, Reinhard Bonnke, how many of you doesn't know who Reinhard Bonnke is? 
Reinhard Bonnke led something like 75 million souls to the Lord in his lifetime. He is probably the most prolific evangelist in our century. Um, he would have meetings in Africa of over a million attendees that would listen to the gospel. Incredibly anointed man of God and saw a move of the Spirit wherever he went. He was a, he was a German man. And God called him to go to Africa and spent most of his life uh, ministering to that nation. Uh, amazing hero of the faith. And so whenever we look at something of great significance, we always look at people of significance. Because for some reason, public performance, significance of self is deeply connected to our sense of identity or our sense of success. But what I'm going to say to you is God is looking for faithfulness. In the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14, if you don't know the story of Esther, Esther was a young Jewish girl, and she was called into the courts of the king at that time. He needed a queen. He saw Esther was more beautiful than any other woman in the land and brought her in not knowing that she was a Jew. But at the same time during that time, there was her uncle by the name of Mordecai who actually raised her because she was an orphan. Raised her in the ways of God, but also raised her in such a way that she would become worthy to become queen one day. Mordecai had influence in the palace. He was an, one of the advisors to the king. But there was a man by the name of Sanballat who had a nefarious or wicked plan against the people of God. He wanted to kill them all, basically. He wanted to kill them all. At, at the right appointed time, Esther was appointed to be queen. And at that time, the plot of, of Sanballat against the people of Israel escalated. At this point, there was only a few days left and they would all be killed. They would be massacred. And Mordecai went to his niece, Esther, and he said to her, do something about it. You're queen now. And Esther says, no, I, I don't think I can do that. I can only approach the king when he summons me. I can't go appeal to the king and just barge my way in. There's protocol in the kingdom. And Mordecai said to her, you know, don't you know that maybe, maybe you have placed where you are for a moment for such a time as this. You're exactly where you are to do exactly what God called you to do in this moment. And one of the things that we discover about the story of Esther is that we don't always truly know what God's called us to do until the moment arises. That your moment, every day of your life, I, got, I get calls during the week from people of, of how many they're reaching out to and, and sharing the gospel with because there was a moment at that time when the Holy Spirit impressed upon them to share with somebody who don't know Jesus. You know, every moment of our lives counts. And what you do in that moment eventually will become the sum of your life. Because in that moment you've got a choice to do what the Father is telling you by the Holy Spirit or to follow your flesh or to do whatever it is that you think you ought to do for your own self. And so I, you, I become, become more and more aware that as Christians, we need to be aware of the moments that God places us in. Or rather, the moments that God places in our hands. Because every moment of your life is a, is a moment of choice. 
Last week I talked to you about a message of asking God. Asking God not for a little, but asking God for as big as you can. He won't be offended by your requests. But having said that, I, I need to say that don't ask God for something just for ourselves, but understand that everything that God grants to us, though it might benefit us, ultimately it is for the expansion of the kingdom of God. So begin to see your family through the kingdom. Begin to see your marriage through the kingdom. Begin to see your workplace through the kingdom. Begin to see your business through the kingdom. Because as you begin to seek God and ask God, you're going to start to realize that the desires that you have to succeed, the desires that you have to do something amazing, will become shaped by the purpose and the will of the Father. It's no longer us or me as a young man trying to be somebody or trying to do something significant. I'm discovering now that, you know, I've hit 50 about a couple of years ago that, Maybe, maybe a bit earlier than that, but I, be, I began to discover some time ago that this, we've said this, and I've said this, you probably said this, it's not about me. It's about God, right? I'm sure you've said that about yourself when you do something, you know, well, you know, this is all about God, but there's something still within us that we struggle from time to time, and that is our own self of identity and, and our own sense of, 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 of becoming significant in whatever we do. Does God want that? Of course He does, but not at the expense of pushing Him away. Because Jesus always has to be the center of it all. So here's the message today in one line. Be the best expression of yourself in the moment you are in. Did you hear that? In that moment... You can't be thinking, oh, I'm not ready, or I wish I've done Bible college, or I wish I was, you know, this or that. I wish I had more money. No, no, in that moment, every moment of your life, every moment that you're here, when the time of the offering, be the best expression of who you are, of your faithfulness in God in that moment. When you meet somebody on the street or in the shopping center and the Spirit of God impresses upon you to speak to that person about the gospel, be the best that you can be. God is not looking for some kind of version of your future self that you see. He wants your version now. He sees you for who you are right now. In your workplace, be the best worker you can be. In your leadership, be the best leader that you can be. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're going to have it all together. It doesn't mean you're going to say the right words all the time. But be the best because faithfulness is being the best expression of how God created you for that moment. You see, if you spend your life waiting for the big moments, they, not, they rarely come. And most people, this is what they do. They prepare for that big moment. I, I don't want to disparage our university students here. Uh, you know, and it's not that, uh, you know, it's, I think, University education is, is good, and it's handy, and it's beneficial. So I went to uni, and I had this big dream of, you know, when I finish, what I was going to do, what country I was going to work at. I, I was targeting to go to the U.K. and then Italy. That's where I was going to establish myself because that was the mecca for design, industrial design and architecture. So I was going to go there. 
that was going to be. And, you know, so I had this plan for myself. So I prepared myself at university because this is what we are taught. You know, you do well at school and you do well at school, then you'll go to university. When you go to university, you do well at university, you'll get a good job. You get a good job, you'll get a lot of money. You get a lot of money, you can buy a house, you can travel. And so we have a, a, a typical pathway that a lot of people are following. For me, that was a pathway. I know it's different for so many people. But for me, that was a pathway that I thought was going to get me to, their goal, to my goal. And then I finished college or university and I realized that the call of God was different to that. God was calling me to the ministry. Amen. Oh, you don't. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm just going to pretend you're tired today. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> the point that I'm making is you could spend your whole life preparing for the big moments. But it's what you do in the small moments that really prepares you. When it comes to the call of God, when you, if you're going to allow God to shape your, your purpose, if you're going to allow His purpose rather to shape your life, then you need to take the best that you can of yourself into every opportunity that He gives you. You see, for most of us, we make the most of opportunity. What I'm going to say to you today in 2020, it's not the opportunity that you need to make the most of. You need to make the most of yourself. You are the best version of yourself that God could create right now. Oh, come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the best version of yourself. And I know that may not feel like, you may not feel like that. You may be going through a hard time. But right now where you are in your situation, whether it is under adversity, whether what you're going through is a hard place in your life, you are fully equipped by the Spirit of God. Because the Lord never leaves you nor forsake you to overcome and to get through what you need to get through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God in heaven has no limits in 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 in. in intercepting whatever it is in your life that needs to be intercepted. God can and God is able. Be the best you can. Make choices that are in agreement with heaven. I'm going to talk to you about two particular people in the Bible that really spoke to me regarding these uh, these matters. If you turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. 2 Kings, I'll just read it real quick. And the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. It was very common in those days if you can't pay your debts, they take your kids. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you 
and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put it to the side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your son could live on what is left. It's an amazing story. It's so multilayered. When I look at that story, I'm also reminded of, I'm reminded of two people that actually went to Elijah for a big request. One of them was, was this widow. And later on, in fact, in 2 Kings chapter 13, a king by the name of Joash. How many of you know the story of Joash and Elisha? Elisha was dying. He was in his deathbed. This is at the beginning of his ministry, towards the end of his ministry. On his deathbed, Joash the king goes and says, the enemies are coming. You know, all these kingdoms have come against us. How are we going to win against them? We're only small. And Elisha says to Joash, you know, Elisha gets up from his death, but he, he, has, he has not been walking for a while. He's, he's just waiting to die. He gets up from his deathbed and goes to the window where the king was and it says, pull your arrow. And he pulls the arrow. He holds the king's hand and pulls it back with him and they shot the arrow. And, and he said to the king, God will give you victory as this arrow has shot through into that window. And then Elisha said to him, grab the arrows, the remaining arrows and strike the ground. At that point, King Joash struck the ground once, twice, and three times. And at that point, Elisha got so angry. And he says, why did you strike the ground only three times? Had you struck it multiple times? But because you only struck it three times, God will only give you victory three times. But God wanted you to have complete victory. So there's this amazing story that bookends Elisha's life between this widow and King Joash. I want to pick up a few things about that this morning but there's something very very significant when you're in the presence of God and God puts a mission in your heart and then God begins to give you instructions about what he's requiring you to do and in that moment you will never ever be ready as much as you ever will be when you face God. And this is why a lot of people fail I believe in their relationship with God and their decisions because they've been making wrong decisions the whole time. If you keep making wrong decisions about your life and about your stewardship, when the big moment comes you're going to make the same decisions. You don't change because your opportunities are greater. It's what you do in the small moment. Jesus gives us this principle by saying, if you're faithful in the small things, I'll make you ruler over much. So this is your moment. Amen. When you come to church and when you help here, whatever it is that you do, you know, if, if you're ushering, that's your moment. If you're bringing in the trailer, that's a moment. Whatever we do when you're preaching, that's your moment. When you're singing, that's your moment to be the best expression of what God created you to be. In that moment, you're your best, best version. And be the best that you can be. So as we look at the widow's life, there's a few things here that really, really strikes me. Number one, 
Her husband was a faithful man of God. Oh, hi, I'm Emmanuel. <laughs> he was a faithful man of God. And, and here's the thing that happens to faithful people sometimes. Life doesn't work out. She has given her husband to the ministry. The whole family had been given to serve Elisha. And when the husband dies, not only did I have nothing, they're in debt. She was about to lose her sons. And, and there are times when you've given all that you've got and it seems that you get nothing in return. It happens. It happens to good people. It happens to the best of us. And that is why our reward should never be relied upon what we get on the earth. You've got to have an eternal perspective when you're serving God. If you wait for appreciation or significance or a pat on the back or a word of encouragement or a monetary return, if you wait for an earthly return, you will always be disappointed. Because even if you get some level of success, it's never enough to fill the void on the inside of us. Because if we're serving God, we need to start thinking whatever I do has eternal significance. And therefore, my reward is eternal. I don't preach just because I'm a preacher. It's, this is an eternal moment for me. This is God speaking to me to deliver you something that came from His heart. It doesn't make me better than you. It makes me a servant like you. You know, in God's eyes, I'm, I'm just like you serving Him today. But this is my eternal moment. And, and when I say to you, you know, when I don't get the response I get from you, then that's okay. No, seriously. <laughs> it's not about that. That's just a banner. That's just joking around, right? It's, it's, it's about God being pleased with His Son, serving Him, and no one else matters. But in that moment, I can be the best version of His Son that I can be because He deserves my worship when I'm preaching. When you're doing announcements, it's not going through the form is being the best version of who you are in Christ that people would see. When you welcome people to the doors and usher, it has to be the best version of who you are in Jesus. You're not representing me alone or the church. You're representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords wherever you are. And in that moment, that is your moment. And regardless... Of how hard life is. There's another moment that's about to intercept you. And that is called the miraculous power of God. See, she could have run away. She could have said, I'm done with this ministry thing. Gave my whole life and my family to this ministry and looked nothing. But she didn't. Instead of running away from God, she ran to God. She says, you know, our whole life has been devoted. She wasn't being sarcastic. She wasn't cashing in from the bank. 
She was depending and trusting on a miraculous work from God. Elisha asks her the question and says to her, what have you got in your house? And she says, nothing except for a jar of oil. And oftentimes that's exactly what we do when we have small moments. We look at the smallness of the moment. And we'll look at the adversity that we're going through and we say, there's no way that God's going to do something out of this. You can have moments, maybe you had it in 2019. Maybe you're looking at your life right now. You're looking at the jar of oil as a point of desperation. As a, you look at this, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's your finance. And it's, that's all I got. Maybe you're looking at your business. It's not moving the way I want it to move. Maybe you're looking at your ministry and said, you know, what's God going to do about this? But you know, God doesn't need much to do something great. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Oh, the unlimited nature of God is not limited by your lack. Come on, you got nothing? God created the world from nothing. Come on, somebody. All you need is a little bit of faith and trust. And don't run from him, but run to him. And you are going to be prepared for a moment of the miraculous. What you didn't know in the moment of great desperation was actually a moment of great opportunity. God was about to do something. And Elijah says, what do you want to her? Just like Jesus said to the two blind men, what do you want from me? Does God know what you need? Why would God need for you to say it? Why would God need for you to say what your needs are if God already knows your needs? You know why? Because God needs to know where your faith is. He needs to know whether you can believe in Him for something greater than your needs. See, if you're only just paying, playing, paying, praying to God to pay your bills, then you've limited God to nothing more than what He's probably already can do without you having to pray for it. God wants you to be ready for the big moments. And by being faithful in the small moments, and being bold enough to ask him beyond yourself and beyond your needs. You see, the prophet said to the widow, go get jars. Get as many as you can. And she did. I don't know what that looked like for her. She probably owed money to all those people in her neighborhood. Can you imagine, hey, I know I can't pay you yet, but can I just borrow some jars? That in itself was a step of faith. Door knocking. Hey, you got a spare jar for me? Oh, you, you owe me money. Why would I give you any more? I said, hey, can you imagine how humiliating that would have been for her? Can you imagine how hard that would have been for her to put herself out there again? But God spoke. You see, when God speaks... He doesn't tell us to do something that, we, that is completely comfortable for us. 
See, if you're looking for comfort and safety and convenience, then you're serving the wrong God. Because he's, He will tell you what's impractical, what is impossible, what is against your sense of safety. Why would He do that? Because He has to be your safety. He has to be your comfort. He has to be your provider. He has to be your protector. You cannot protect yourself any more than God can. So the more you, we protect ourselves and defend ourselves, the less God can. What strikes me about the contrast between Joash and the widow is that Elisha gave the widow a cheat code. How many know what a cheat code is? When you play video games, you get cheat codes, right, Tristan? And you can shortcut your way and you get a better chance of winning, right, Tristan? Okay? Right? Tristan's a gamer, so he, he knows. Cheat code. He doesn't give, listen to this, he does not give Joash a cheat code. What did he say? He said to the woman, get many jars, and then he says, Get as many as you can. He says, don't stop. This, is, this whole thing is up to you. This is not up to God because God is unlimited. It's not going to be more, limited than he, more unlimited than he is. But what you do is going to determine what God's going to do. He gives her coaching. He does not give Joash coaching. He says, strike the ground. Josh says, okay, I'll give you three. I won't give you one. I'll give you three. Probably thought he was doing a really good job. One, two, three. The man of God became angry. Why did you only strike it three times? Why didn't you keep going and going until there's no more arrows left? Why didn't he give Joash the same cheat code? Why? Because as you mature in God, as you grow in leadership, you're supposed to know. Are you hearing me? And it pains me to see Christians that have been Christians for a long time, been church for a long time, still don't know that they're meant to forgive people. That they're meant to let things go. That they're meant to not be offended. That they're meant to be kingdom thinking. Come on, are you hearing me? There are certain things that you are meant to know already and if you just keep getting more information to validate your and justify your position, you, you, you can go to people to validate yourself. But it doesn't grow you. And you, 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 you'll, be, you'll become out of shape from the will of God. You see, God's not going to give you a cheat code all your life. When I first became a Christian... I worked in cheat codes from God. When I did my quiet time, I just opened the Bible and go, ooh, boom, yeah. Oh, that's from God. That really relates to me. And then I'd go again. I'd go, oh, what's the next thing I got to do? <laughs> boom. And you know what? I try it now after being a Christian for 30 years. It doesn't work anymore. Why? Because I'm supposed to know. 
If you've been a Christian for a long time, and you have to be told the elementary teachings of the Word of God, the milk of simple things like grace, forgiveness, repentance. My prayer is to prepare yourself, not for the big moments, for the moments now. Be ready. The only way you can be ready for battle is when you're ready to obey today. Amen. God wants victory for 2020. He wants to prepare you for something great. But your preparedness has to do with what you do today to be the best version of who God created you and how he has shaped you. To respond in running to him rather than running away from him. Amen. Bless the Lord. Give the Lord a clap of praise, would you? Team, would you come up? Could you please just bow your heads and close your eyes as we conclude this morning? And uh, just want to say a couple of things while your every head is bowed and every eye is closed. You know, I just want to just want to say that God wants us to really commit this year to Him. How many would say, "Ted, I want to I want to be faithful. I want to be that person that." Is ready in the moment. Is ready in the moment. Because God's got millions of moments for you waiting. Millions, billions, unlimited moments. <laughs> but are you ready to step into it? And your choice in that moment will build into the next moment. And the next moment. You know what happens when you have a moment and another moment? You have a momentum that propels you into places you've never known before. So if that's you, just, I just want to pray. Just stand up if that's you. Yes. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Even to the point that it's going to make me uncomfortable, to the point that it's going to, it might cost you something for that moment. So don't. Don't think it's, I want to be ready, it's going to be easy. No, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. You're going to have to come out of yourself and be the best that God made you to be. Just lift up your hands right now. I just see amazing open doors right now as a posture to Him. Just lift your hands to heaven. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you because you have called us and you are shaping us, Lord, like a potter shapes the clay. And I pray for clarity of mind. I pray for clarity of vision. I also pray for boldness of faith that we'll be willing to ask you big things, Lord, that you have already prepared for us. So today in Jesus' name, I pray for breakthrough over our lives, over our workplace. Father God, over our business, over our church, over our family, over our children, over our marriage. Let us be people that are willing to, in that moment, to run to you and hear your voice rather than running to our own self, but run to you in that moment and hear you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And, and this year, I just really sense God just put in my heart that God is going to bring people around you this year that you may have not met before, but they will bring not only encouragement but refreshing. There are going to be some Water bearers, if I could kind of use that terminology, people that will be carrying water. 
that will bring refreshing to you. It could be a business associate. It could be uh, uh, another Christian. It could be a prayer partner. It could be somebody, uh, you know, random. God could even send an angelic visitation towards you this year. That will just speak encouragement to you wherever you are this year. Expect it. Expect it. The book of Hebrews says, give water to strangers for you might be ministering to angels. So expect that God will intercept moments in your life this year and be ready for it in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a clap of praise. Thank you, Wilson. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au and be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.